The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. All right, this week on Talk is Jericho. Double J joins Single J. Yeah, that's right. Jeff Jarrett joins Jericho on Talk is Jericho. A whole lot of J's going on. A whole lot of J's going on. He's also got Magnus with him, and they're going to give us all the inside scoop on Global Force Wrestling and GFW's very first TV tapings in Las Vegas this Friday night. Jeff's going to talk about his relationship with TNA, why he left, why he came back. He's going to talk about what that means for Global Force Wrestling moving forward. Plus... He used to wear a little lighted jacket as well as part of his gimmick back in the 90s. I want to ask him what kind of problems he had with his jackets. I know they're very temperamental, as you know. Plus, Magnus is telling it like it is about TNA, why he decided not to go back, why he's with GFW. So much information as we steer things back into the wrestling world after taking a detour last week with Ian Zeering on Sharknado and, of course, uh, Randy Bly from Land of God talking about about his uh, book, Dark Days. Lots of cool stuff happening and lots of cool stuff coming up. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho, the pot of thunder rock and roll. The remedy for boredom has arrived. The People's Podcast is here. Let's go for a ride because it's Sharknado 3 day. There are sharks flooding the streets. It's going to get a lot worse before it gets any better. Oh, nice. This is what I'm talking about. That's right, Sharknado 3, oh hell no, premieres tonight on the Sci-Fi Channel. You can see my character, Bruce the Ride Attendant, take on the Killer Sharks. Does he defeat the Killer Sharks, or do the Killer Sharks defeat him? Or does Ian Zeering and his handy chainsaw save the day? Will Tara Reid help me? Will Kim Richards help me? Will Bo Derek help me? David Hasselhoff, Mark Cuban, uh, Ryan Newman, so many huge, huge stars on this show. It's going to blow your mind. I want you to take a piece of paper and make a note of every cameo that you see. This is going to be huge. It's becoming a cultural phenomenon. Sharknado 3, the world is anxiously awaiting, and you'll get all of the answers to the questions you may have when you tune into Sci-Fi tonight. All right. We're going to talk Sharknado 3 on Friday. Maybe even have Ash the Fish for Expert weigh in and tell me what he thinks. And also, I want you to let me know what you think of Sharknado 3 at Talk is Jericho on the Twitter, at 
I am Jericho on the Twitter, and let me know what you think of the show. I'll be live tweeting as it's on. I might even do some periscoping as it's on. Ian's going to be doing some periscoping when it's on. Uh, I want you to go back and listen to last week's show with Ian Ziering. He called it one of his favorite interviews, if not his favorite interview he's ever done in his career. Guy's been in show business for 30 years. That is a huge, huge honor. I appreciate that, Ian. And if you're wondering why the audio... Uh, sounded a little bit weird whenever I was talking. It's because a uh, huge disaster narrowly uh, averted. I had Ian come in my hotel room uh, when we were in New York City doing press. I was doing press for Tough Enough, um, which we'll talk about also on Friday. And he was doing press for Sharknado. Had him come in my hotel room, and I have three microphones, which equals three microphone cords. So I plugged the two of them into my Zoom recorder, which is the brain of the operation. Certainly not me. Then I plugged the other two ends into the microphones, and we did our interview. Well, when I listened to it back, I could only hear Ian. Couldn't hear me. The reason why, my microphone wasn't plugged in. I had plugged in one end to the Zoom recorder, one end to the microphone, and realized that there was the third cord was mixed up on the floor, so I had gotten chord number two and chord number three mixed up and thought they were the same thing. So yeah, kind of a bad uh, bad situation, but it all worked out uh, in the end because we were able to pick up my audio through the bleed over in Ian's mic, if you make sense. So when you talk... Uh when you're talking to somebody, obviously my voice is loud, so Ian's mic was able to pick that up, and my amazing producer, Stacey Parra, was able to save it. But the audio is a little bit strange, and thankfully it wasn't Ian's mic that was turned off, because then the whole interview would have been a wash. But because it was my mic, we were able to kind of, you know, it was only maybe 10% of the interview was me talking, so we were able to kind of fake it. So if the audio is bugging you, that's the reason why I apologize. But the show must go on. I had to salvage it, and I had to uh, do the best I could to keep that keep that interview intact, because it was a great interview. So go see Sharknado 3. And when I say go see it, you don't even have to leave your house. Go turn on Sci-Fi tonight. Check out the biggest cultural phenomenon that you've seen in a few years. It's become a summer annual tradition uh, Sharknado 3, I had a blast doing this movie. I was actually, uh, like I said in the IN interview, I was going to um, audition for America's Funniest Videos, and they wanted me there, let's say, on Tuesday night, uh, Tuesday during the day. And I was like, ah, yeah, I can't make it during the day because I'm filming Sharknado. And it was like, well, we hope we can make this work. And, of course, obviously I didn't get the gig anyways, but they did make the audition work, and it turned out great. I did a great audition, but always take the bird in the hand rather than the duck in the bush. How does that go? I don't remember. But I had the offer from Sharknado, and there was no way in hell I was not going to take it because I understood how big being in Sharknado is. And it is. Like I said, it's this cultural phenomenon. So it was great. I got to do some some killer scenes with Ian and Tara. Uh, I got to work with Kim Richards, who I had a huge crush on when I was a kid. She was in Escape from Witch, Mount Witch Mountain and Tough Turf. And when I showed up on set and she was, I was like, oh, my God, there's Kim Richards. I never saw Bo Derek, but I would have felt the same way if I would have seen her. But uh, also got to meet Jedward. Those are good guys. It's uh, Edward and John. I think they're like singing twins from Ireland. They're in this movie. They're, they make a cameo. Good kids. So, yeah, it was kind of one of those sets where you show up there and there's all of these people just kind of lingering about. And you're like, oh, is that, uh, oh, is that Mark Cuban? Oh, my goodness. There's, uh, you know, uh, Rich Eisen. Uh, I don't know if Rich Eisen's in it or Michelle Beadle. I don't know if she's uh, Michelle's in it for sure. So anyways, uh, like I said, take a, a checklist and mark down all of the people 
who are in Sharknado that you recognize and that you see. And then let me know what your count is. So I want you to play along with Chris when you walk Sharknado, watch Sharknado tonight. So if you see 25 cameos or 30 cameos or 45 cameos, keep track of them. And uh, at the end, we'll see who wins. And maybe we'll give out a prize to whoever picks out the most amount of cameos uh, in Sharknado. Also had a giveaway on the Twitter. That's why you got to follow Talk is Jericho. We had a, a give, giveaway in the Twitter earlier this week for uh, a copy of Randy Bly's Dark Days. I ended up getting sent like three or four separate copies. So I kept one for myself. Uh, and then I gave one away. And the uh, question that I that I asked on Talk is Jericho was, who was Randy's whistling Mongolian cellmate in in the book Dark Days? And of course, the answer was Dorge. Got a bunch of uh, right answers, but the one uh, the winner that was selected is Ruby Altamirano, and she's at Ruby underscore Believe, and she's from California, and she wins a brand new copy of Randy Bly's Dark Days. So see what happens when you follow me on the Twitter. You get information before anybody else. You get uh, you get uh, presents and prizes, and you can win stuff as well. So there you go, Ruby. Congratulations! And once again, let's do a little contest. And uh, at Talk Is Jericho is the Twitter. Follow it. Tell me all of the. Um Cameos in Sharknado, and whoever gets closest, it's like counting the jelly beans in the jar. Uh, you'll get a, a prize. I'm not saying it's going to be something great, but uh, I'll do what I can. All right, so Sharknado 3 tonight on Sci-Fi. Don't you dare miss it. This should I think the last one did almost 4 million viewers um, for Sharknado 2 for the premiere. So let's see how much number 3 gets, and make sure you check out Bruce the Ride Attendant. All right, talking to Jeff Jarrett and Magnus today about Global Force Wrestling. So crazy to start a new wrestling company in this day and age, um, especially when TNA and Ring of Honor are kind of in this state of influx right now. But still, I give Jeff a lot of credit. He's uh, a lifelong uh, in the wrestling business for his whole life. Don't forget, he started TNA. So he probably has a great business model and a great idea to start Global Force Wrestling. We're going to hear all about it. Because, like I said, you can't just start a wrestling company on a whim nowadays. You have to have everything kind of planned out. I know he's probably got some kind of high-class investor behind him. We'll ask him about that. Uh, I haven't seen Jeff for a long time. My dealings with him were very minimal. He was in WWE uh, just as I got there, and then he left, I think, probably two months after I got there. As a matter of fact, I inherited China from him. He did the big program with China, and then he left and left her with me. So there you go. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> and Magnus, I've never met him before, but I read his column in Fighting Spirit Magazine, which is a, a publication out of the UK. It's probably the last great wrestling magazine out there. So I'm excited for both these guys, and we're going to hear all about Global Force Wrestling coming up. I think uh, it's going to be a, a Talk is Jericho exclusive as they have their first TV taping this Friday in Las Vegas. If you live in Vegas, go down there. If you're going to be in Vegas on vacation, go down and check it out. I guarantee you're going to like it. I uh, don't think Jeff would do anything that's not a 1,000% good. So there you go. Uh, had this interview over the phone, both of them at the same time, which is a little bit different from the way you usually do things, but they called and asked. See, that's the thing. Talk is Jericho's becoming the place to be. Act like whoever you are is the place to be. Isn't this great? The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. 
Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Sharks! Hey, get out of the water! Sharks! All right, on the line right now, the leading force behind Global Force Wrestling, Jeff Jarrett is here. I used to call him Double J, and he called me Single J. Good to talk to you, man. Good to hear your voice, uh, Single J. Uh, looking forward to talking to uh, uh, talking to you. Uh, it's been so long, and uh, we'll talk all things global force wrestling, and then whatever else you want to talk about. I am uh, actually a big fan of your podcast, my friend. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. I'm actually a big fan of what you're doing, which is years ago 10 12 years ago whatever it was you were the driving force behind starting uh, TNA and here you are doing it again with Global Force Wrestling which you have your big first opening debut TV taping July 24th at the Orleans Arena in Las Vegas you do you're doing it again like I, it's this is crazy in the last 15 years you've started two viable wrestling promotions and that as we both know is not an easy thing to do it sure isn't, and you can call me crazy, call me insane, or just call me a, a, a wrestling life. You know, I, I recently, Chris, I've been asked a lot about, like, why do you want to do it again, and, and are you are you up for the task, and what's it going to be different? Just, But, you know, guys like yourself, you, you are, uh, I'm not near as talented as you guys, but you've got, you know, an acting career, <laughs> you've got your music career, you've got your wrestling career. Wrestling is really in my blood, and it's something that, that uh, although I've got hobbies, my true passion is professional wrestling, so... That's the short answer, that I'm ready to dive headfirst in again. And, and uh, as we all know, the world has changed in the last 10 years with social media. And it's just become a much smaller place, uh, I, I like to say. And so it's pretty cool uh, what we're doing and, and bringing all the different styles. And that's one of the things that I, I knew you were going to be an expert when I heard that I get to be on your podcast. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a guy who's wrestled in Japan and wrestled in that. You've wrestled multiple styles and excelled at all of them. So that's what that's one of the things we're bringing to the table with Global Force Wrestling. Because you kind of came back on the scene, I guess, about five, six months ago with the New Japan pay-per-view. You had Jim Ross commentating, and you were behind that. Was that kind of a Global Force Wrestling Presents uh, New Japan to kind of show what Global Force is going to be offering? Well, I mean, as we know, timing is everything. And those guys at New Japan Pro Wrestling approached me Gosh, uh, over last April, and said, "Hey, uh, we we would like you to to basically what you said. It's Global Force presents Russell Team Tonight because they knew that I knew you know the American market. And then it goes without saying, uh, when you get Jim Ross on board, it's sort of game set match. He took the event, in my opinion, to the to the U.S. audience or the global audience because it was seen all around the world via the Flips app. It just took the event to a whole other level. Not to say that it wouldn't wasn't already spectacular because me or Jim." Obviously, and, and, and Gold Force had nothing to do with the in-ring product, and they're on fire right now. They have got a roster that, that in my opinion, it, it goes back to the, the Attitude Era days as far as the depth. It's just everybody on their on their roster can go, the Japanese as, as well as the Americans. And so it was pretty cool, and, and we marketed it, and, and me and Jim worked tirelessly just spreading the word, and, and the results were uh, very, very good. So what, what 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 exactly is the mindset for for G, GFW as far as okay we've got WWE you can't compete with the machine that is you know the, the, the WWE uh, model TNA ups and downs don't really know the status of it Ring of Honor same type of vibe a little bit more of a buzz about that where does GFW fit in this market in the states and what do you want to do differently to to, to pop this this company. 
Well, I, I, one thing is, 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 and you just sort of reference it, it's, it's uh, the machine. We'll, we'll address that. I think they've got over 90% market share. They invented the term sports entertainment. Nobody does it better. No one will ever do it any better. And so that's, that's what they do. Well, with Golden Force Wrestling, uh, like I said, there's a lot of professional wrestling fans out there. And I will, uh, we are in the process of, of pulling, whether it's Lucha Libre, the strong style from New Japan, uh, a, a flair for, for, for the European market that, you know, in Germany, there's different type of uh, style as, as there is to England and Scotland. And then, you know, the, the pageantry uh, of the, the U.S. and, and, and the, 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 how professional wrestling is done here. We want to bring all the different styles under, under basically one banner and, 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 and cut through, uh, I'll, I don't want to say the clutter, but really cut through the marketplace and identify ourselves as a professional wrestling brand that you can see multiple styles, multiple matchups, fresh matchups from stars from several different promotions. Uh, that, that's one thing. And then, you know, not to say that the WWE and the universe and, and you guys, you're just it, it, the, the fan engagement with the app and the network is just enormous. Well, we're, we're going to engage the fans like that on social media and listen to the feedback. And, and, and we've got in our production guys, we're going to, yeah, there's a, as we both know, you write stories in, in, in sports entertainment. Not, not to say that, that we're not going to have a flavor of that, but we're also going to document stories because every one of our athletes truly has a story. We all have a story like, why do we get in this business? Why do we want to be champion? Where did we come up with that catchphrase? The real uh, realities of our business, and, and yes, we're, we all know that professional wrestling is not true sport, uh, but but you know as well as anybody, it's a very, very competitive business in that uh, the thing that we compete the most for is the money. And the way you get the money is deliver the best matches, get over with the people the best, sell the most uh, T-shirts, and, and all that. And so we're going to bubble that up and, and, and really present that, 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 that how business, how competitive our business really is. Well, it's also, uh, you know, the business is based on talent completely and solely. And it seems that there's a lot of guys and girls leaving uh, different companies in TNA specifically to kind of make the, I don't even know if you'd call it the jump, but make, to make the, the transition to GFW. One of them is Magnus, who was a huge rising star in TNA. Now, Magnus, what is your mindset to go to, to Global Force Wrestling um, and leave TNA? Well, I mean, it's funny because uh, a, a lot of the, the the chat's obviously been, you know, that I left TNA for Global Force, and you know, and and, and while it's kind of true, it's also just a, a coincidence of timing, you know. Mm-hmm. Like my my mindset, you know, and I've said this a couple of times. I said it in my interview with Rolling Stone and a couple other places. Like I, I had sort of made the decision, um, you know, myself that that when my contract came up this time that I was going to wasn't going to stick around. Right. I'd made that decision independently of, of what Jeff was doing. You know, I'd, I'd kept my ear to the ground with everything he was doing and, and obviously have a relationship with Jeff. But I'd made that decision, you know, already. I'd already sort of made peace with it and said, you know, I've done everything I can do here. Like, I, I stuck around one time before because... You know, frankly, the the money was right. You know, and right. and, and it was you know I had to make a decision. For, you know, that was based on on making a living. Um, but this time around, I just said, you know, it's time to get out of a comfort zone and and start looking at other opportunities. And, and it's just that Jeff was the first guy that called me, and and I have a lot of time for Jeff because he was one of the guys who I really believe sort of helped. Um, you know. <laughs> recognized me, I guess, in, in the early days, like when he did Rinka King in India. You know, there was a lot of different 
uh, changing manage, uh, management, you know, at TNA. It was like mm-hmm. it was a new boss, like, every year or every year and a half and stuff. So I sort of constantly find myself going back to, like, the bottom of the pile and having to kind of prove myself all over again. And Jeff was one of the guys who went, hey, give me give me him for this India project I've got, and I'll show you what you can do with him, you know. And, and right. so I always remembered that and sort of um, kept that in the back pocket. And now, now this has come along. Uh, you know, I want to do everything I can to help global sort of become a recognized brand. Jeff, I'm asking this because I honestly really don't know. What happened between you and TNA? Why, why did you stop working there or, or, I guess, owning a part of the territory or all of it? Uh, I'm still a minority owner, but it's, it's, it's real simple in that, I, you know, you know in your gut uh, when it comes to not just business decisions, but just life decisions. I knew my time with TNA was over. That chap, I was ready uh, to close that chapter in my life. I, I, you know, I don't regret uh, not one day there because you learn from all your life, life's experiences. There were a lot of highs and there were a lot of lows and a lot of things in between. Uh, but in December 2013, I, I knew when that year came to a close that I was ready to go do something new, something fresh. And I was just, it, it, my time was there. It, there wasn't any one individual or one uh, instance, it was it was is accumulation of, of over probably twenty four to thirty six months uh, of experiences that I knew that it was time for me to move on. Well, and that's the old school mentality of the business. You know, back in the days of the territories, you'd stay for six months, a year, two years, and then you'd split and go to the next territory. Obviously, it's not like that anymore, but that's kind of the mindset that you had. Yeah, it, it, exactly. It, it's you, you know when it's time to move on. Uh, no one has to tell you. Um, it, it was just it was it was time for Double J to uh, pop up on the saddle and move to the next chapter of his life. <laughs> now you know you mentioned earlier you've been in wrestling your whole life. I mean, your father was a promoter, and now here you are. Uh, I, I don't even know if promoter is the right term anymore. I mean, that was the kind of the old school term, but we'll use promoter for lack of a better word, unless you have one. But how how much? I mean, you've been working on this for a long time i've heard the, the kind of the rumblings about global force it seems for a year or 15 months how do you put together a wrestling company in, in this day and age it seems like the, the the finances alone would be astronomical to do such a thing well there's so many different components and i, I again you know I, i'm a third generation my grandmother right. got into the business you know back in the 40s and worked her way up to what she would call a CFO nowadays, and so she really knew the ins and outs of the business, and my dad obviously wrestled promoted, and so, you know, taking all those experiences in there, and then you, you fast forward up to 2015, um, the financial side is obviously a huge component, but, but, but I think just as equally important is I, 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 it's so hard to bring a new product onto the market scene. I don't care what it is, not just professional wrestling, any kind of launching a brand. It takes a lot of time to cut through the marketplace, uh, create an identity. And, you know, we've got seven baseball shows under our belt, and so we're literally in the embryonic stage. Uh, but, but brand awareness, especially when you're dealing with WWE and, and you know, it's synonymous. There's not, you know, if there's, if you want to reference soft drinks, there's Coca-Cola, and then there's, there's really nothing else on the marketplace right. as it relates to, I'll, I'll say, 
uh, um, you know, middle America or the mindset. It's they, like I said earlier. I think they got ninety, ninety-five percent. So to cut through all that, I, I believe brand awareness is our is our biggest challenge. It was an enormous challenge at TNA, uh, Ring of Honor, uh, Lucha Underground, anybody else coming onto the scene. It, it's creating that brand awareness. And so that's why, uh, that, you know, that's that's part of the reason that that I, I've got a strong mindset that uh, if if I'll call it Ring of Honor and TNA and, and Lucha Underground, if we all tried to if we all try to operate as an island, uh, that makes, in my opinion, no sense. So back in the day, the AWA and NWA and, and, you know, Tennessee and Texas, they all shared talent, swapped talent, super shows. I think that mentality can help all of us create brand awareness. Mm -hmm. That's another different component that can make us a little different. But your your question was, what are the challenges or or how do you do it? And I I think the brand awareness is at the very top, and and then it goes without saying you've got, you know, nowadays you've you've got talent, you've got production, you've got... The, the Orleans, which has been fantastic partners. You've got the live event component. You've got the international. And the international side of things, uh, I can tell you, is, is is we are making big strides and came forward to start bringing that news out in, in, the, in the months to come. Uh, but the U.S. market is not an easy market to cut through. Uh, Chris, you're in the TV business as well. You know it's uh, cable television uh, has drastically changed over the last 36 months in, in more ways than one, too. Sure, it has. I mean, it's very fragmented as well. Um, but there are openings in the marketplace. It seems, and Magnus, it's funny. I just want to call you Nick because I actually read your column in Fighting Spirit magazine every month, and it's it's really it's really well done. So I'm just going to call you Nick from now on. <laughs> um, <laughs> What's going on? How did you feel? I mean, you mentioned that you, you didn't leave TNA so much as it was time to move on, much like Jeff did. What's kind of the, the morale in TNA right now? I know after they went to Destination America and it was all fine and dandy, but now there's rumors that Destination America is actually even going to uh, cancel TNA. Did you feel when you left, is it, a, is it a, a sad state of affairs there? Or what's going on on that side of the coin? Yeah, um, you know... I- I, I've said this before, and you know, and I've, try, I've tried my best to say, and I, and I made it clear from the beginning. I said, look, you know, if anyone's going to come to me, you know, expecting me to just completely bury TNA, and you know, on the way out, like that's that's not going to happen with me because obviously I'd just be burying myself. Yeah, like, nor should it happen. That's right, exactly. You, you worked yeah, there for a long time, so right, right, and it's and it's the only point of reference for for me, you know. But at the same time, you know, I, I have to tell the truth, and the truth is that. I, um, no, I'm a student of the game, or I try to be, um, and my observation of, of things and, and the way things were being run was just that there was there, there was a lack of balance. Mm-hmm. Way for me to describe it, and I and I know that this seems very kind of manufactured as a response as far as how it ties in with with my decision to work for Jeff and and things going forward. But I always felt and believed that after we lost that balance of the of the sort of third generation wrestling guy in the in the company that me you know, and jeff always yeah the, things were always to me um you know there were a lot of things that 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 got through the filter that shouldn't have got through mm-hmm. and in my opinion a lot of guys uh were being rewarded you know for the wrong reasons and and sort of put in positions and and really just a lot of decisions that you know were being made that you know to a lot of us just seemed really sort of wacky or just uh seemed like they didn't have a 
a grounded sort of experience behind them that you know a lot of them were sort of knee-jerk reactions or you know a, a very good example of, sort of what I thought was just um, a lack of experience in management you know in those positions and it was just like I just couldn't you know, just I just got to a point where I just went. You know, I, I I've done everything I can here to, to try and help on every level, and and you know, for me now it's just a case of it kind, it kind of like what you guys were talking about with the whole territory thing. Even though it, that doesn't exist anymore, there are a lot of alternatives. So it is it's one of those things where I just went. You know, uh, my my time here is is done. Like it's time for me as as a businessman and as a performer to just. It's, it's time to move on. Yeah, venture into the unknown. As as a wise man once said, Jeff, enough is enough, and it's time for a change. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> I love it. You pulled that one right in there. Yeah, <laughs> enough <laughs> is enough. <laughs> Let me ask you this: it was it was a big surprise a few weeks ago when you did show up in TNA, Jeff. And is this kind of going along the same lines of what you were saying back at the old kind of Dallas Memphis Super Show? Kind of put together some dream matches. Uh, is that one of the reasons why you showed up again in TNA was to ipso facto to promote Global Force? Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, uh, and uh, the, the the promo that I cut—I hate to even call it a promo. That Karen corrects me for that because it was real. It was it was truly the. I told exactly what went down. They called me and 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 wanted to uh, have me in a match and at the anniversary, the 13th year anniversary of the company, and all that. And I really wasn't interested until I sat back and said, "Okay, a, a good deal is when all parties uh, are mutually beneficial." And so, you know, I've made it. You know, no secret. I, uh, I've got a working relationship with AAA and New Japan and into promotions in Australia and South Africa uh, and, and, and all through Europe. So why not TNA? And then once they agreed that, you know, we've got, and it, 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 this is still a work in progress, but we've got a talent exchange. Bobby Roode's going to be in Vegas on, on the 24th uh, at the Orleans at our first taping. Mm. Uh, Eric, Eric Young uh, was at the last three. Uh, Grand Slam tour events, uh, our, our ball shows, uh, and so there's so yes, it, it, that was a big part of us going back and, and and you know exposing our brand, going back to the brand identity. You know, uh, Destination America uh, Impact, you know, four hundred thousand viewers, give or take. I'm not sure exactly sure, but you know, GFW is mentioned uh, on there uh, multiple weeks, and so it was a win-win for the brand, and it and it goes with our uh, part of our mission statement. Okay, so you mentioned that Bobby and Eric are going to be in Vegas on the 24th, but they're still there as TNA employees, whereas Nick Magnus is actually a GFW. Who exactly is on your roster that's a Global Force wrestling guy, like specifically? And that's another thing that, that as a startup, you know, to to go sign, we'll just say, uh, a roster of 30, you know, uh, give or take, you know, 5 or 10, 40, whatever, it makes no business sense until you really uh, get up and running and and know, quite frankly, who's over, who's not over. Mm -hmm. Uh, What we're doing is is signing guys to deals and come in, be a part of the tapings, uh, be a part of the shows. And so, you know, Bobby and Eric, yes, they're still TNA contracted wrestlers, but we're uh, I'll, I'll use an old Dutch Mantel saying, "Run a wrestler as opposed to own a wrestler." So, so we've got uh, we, we've got agreements with with you know, like Kushida, who's the hottest junior in the world. 
he's going to be uh, at the Orleans Friday, July 24th. We're in talks with New Japan about getting another one of their champions uh, at the August 21st tapings. Uh, so, you know, you can go to our Global Force Wrestling and, and our roster page, and we've got talent from Colt Cabana to, to Johnny Gargano to Sanjay Dutt to Nick Aldis, uh, multiple guys that you're going to be able to see at our shows. So you basically, though, I remember hearing a while back that you were kind of going from country to country and kind of scouting and, and doing uh, mini camps to try and find talent. How many places did you go to? Oh, gosh. Uh, Canada two or three times. Went to U.K. I don't know. Did I do it twice? Uh, all up through Ohio. Just, uh, I, don't, I probably did three or four. Uh, I did one major GFW seminar. Moose was at that. Uh, a guy that's on our roster, Congo Kong. Those are the two guys that came out of that uh, that we used. Uh, but I've probably done ten seminars uh, over the last year or so. Uh, and there's I, and, and this is where the business has evolved, in my opinion. Uh, when I launched TNA, uh, I'll call the independent scene. Um, it was, I don't say it wasn't impressive, but, but it's night and day, comparatively speaking. Absolutely. From where, where, from, from where it was 15 years ago. And I like to call that somewhat of, uh, I call it the rock effect, because 15 years ago when the business was red hot, people were watching the Attitude Era. But, you know, Rock's a guy who got in the wrestling business and then went to Hollywood, and he's the hottest Boston attraction. You know, he crossed all boundaries. Mm-hmm. So guys that were kids, I'll call it kids, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, uh, now you fast forward 15 years later, they're in their late 20s, some of them rest six or seven, eight years, and there's only so many spots that WWE, and you know this better than I do, there's only so many spots there, and there's always going to be only so many spots there. And then, you know, they they busted wide open the NXT brand, which is cool, and there's but there's still a limited amount of spots. But then when you start looking at all the independent guys that are out there busting their butt, and it's so much more accessible that, and I'll go to the WWE Network. You, you know, YouTube and WWE Network, there's not a style or a performer that you can't watch hours and hours right. and hours. And so, so, so I think, you know, call it film session, tape session, the talent getting in the business over the last five years is, has been the luxury of being exposed so, to so much more wrestling just right. from the click of the button. Chris, you know what I mean? You got in. I mean, you got to watch some tapes, but it's really, uh, hey, you know, you showed up at the building, and if you were a young guy, the, the veterans would get pissed off if the young guys didn't watch every match on the card just to learn. Well, right. I, I, I think as the time has gone on, these independent guys that are breaking into business, they've watched a lot of wrestling uh, on, on the computer. Well, yeah, you even said watched a lot of tapes, and now you don't even need to worry about tapes before you would have to trade them and find them and get them sent to you. Now it's just at the click of a button, like you said. Uh, but, Nick, how did you get into the business? I know you came from, from England. Yeah. Uh, how did you get it involved? It's funny, you know, listening to the, the way Jeff described the, the stuff about rock. It's like that's that's more or less verbatim. My um, <laughs> a lot of it was really like he's pretty much describing me. I'm 28, you know. I, I got into the business uh, 10 years ago, give or take, and and that was me. Like I I watched it as a kid, you know. Uh, but we, you know, I grew up in a very uh, middle class kind of um, rural English village, and. We didn't have Sky TV, so we didn't. I didn't get to see wrestling that much unless I went to a friend's house or someone taped it on VHS. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was still very aware of it, which just shows the, the power of uh, WWE marketing, I guess, because I still knew who everybody was and had the toys and the and the annuals and all that stuff. But um, 
it wasn't until sort of the, the, the I guess, the early 90s where I was, Bret Hart was sort of my first hero and and, and take boy. You know, and then, but then it wasn't really until the sort of the, the attitude era that I started looking at it in a different way and going, you know, this isn't just something that I'm a fan of. Like, this is something that I want to actually do because I was good at sports. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I like I was uh, um, in high school. Like, I was in. I competed in the national championships in like swimming and tennis, and then I, you know, played a lot of other sports to a pretty decent sort of level. But I wasn't really that concerned with it after a while. I just got to a point because I had this sort of. I wanted the individual kind of acclaim, but I also enjoyed entertainment. I wanted to be an entertainer of some kind, and then suddenly it just sort of clicked for me one day, and it was when I was watching The Rock. I, you know, I saw I saw Rock doing his thing, and I just sort of went, "This is that's it." Like he's a he's an athlete. He's a great sort of physical specimen, and like that was always a big deal to me because I was a really skinny kid. So I was like, so I was always kind of obsessed with bulking up and trying to, you know, look more, look better because I was so skinny. And then, and then I said he's also a great entertainer, and that was, so that was that. And then when I was um, seventeen, I think, just go, yeah, seventeen, going on eighteen, I, I started with uh, the Knight family, who are Paige's parents. That's right, yeah, Ricky Knight. Yeah, yeah Ricky and and uh, Julia, like I broke in with them and. They were so busy, you know, like, their whole family are in wrestling. And, they're, you know, so they, they were running a lot of their own uh, holiday camps. Like, you, you, you probably know this from talking to guys like Regal and stuff, but, you know, a lot of the English wrestlers, you know, you sure. cut your teeth doing the holiday camps. And the holiday camps are sort of a weird thing to try and explain to Americans, but it's basically like... Um, uh, it's a it's a it's a vacation resort, but it's but it's mostly either chalets like small little chalets or <laughs> yeah. or trailers like caravans. Yeah, res- resorts a pretty uh, a pretty kingly resort word for a, what it is. Definitely, I'm definitely giving it the salesman. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. definitely I'm definitely embellishing by saying resort. It's like a prison, but you know I, I can't say that. Like um, like kind of shoddy cabins more than anything. Right? Oh yeah yeah <laughs> sure. Like and, and I've done some of the worst. I mean like you know but like everyone wanted to get on. Brian Dixon, you know, everyone wanted to work for all. That was the that was the big thing, and so like, um, but you know, in the meantime, I mean, you would do, I could, you know, I remember doing like holiday camps at like this place called Scrapby, which is like just <laughs> like just outside of you know, just in Norfolk, like where you know where the nights are and stuff. And you know, it was like in the middle of a field. There was probably like ten people there, maybe. Like, and I don't think they even knew that wrestling was supposed to be there. There were just people sort of looking up from their picnics, kind of going like, Why is this "Wrestling's like disturbing our holiday," you know. But, right. So that was I sort of cut my teeth that way, and then but did and then um, went full time with uh, Brian Dixon in, when I was eighteen. Did like about a year with him. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy-six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy-six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Jeff, did you have any choice when you were a kid, or did did you know you were going to be a wrestler from from a young age? Uh, I've got four siblings, and I'm the only one in the business. My older brother worked in it just for, for a, a, maybe six nine months, but I was always oh god to say mesmerized would be sort of the understatement of the world. <laughs> I loved it, and I can remember you know watching 
Jackie Fargo, and then Lawler was, you know, he's not the Jerry Lawler that we all know today. He was he was a great heel, and then he was obviously an enormous babyface. And, and, and then he just, you know, I, yes, I was intrigued with it, and, and obviously with being the son of a promoter, I got to see multiple aspects, you know, not just stuff inside the ring, but, you know, my grandmother was a promoter and, and ran her town. So, you know, as a 14-year-old kid going to these towns, I, I get to set up the ring, and that was grunt work, and then there would be some high school gyms that we would go to or armories, and I got to run a concession stand, and I can remember 14, 15 years old, you know, we'd make all the stops and go there and boil the hot dogs and have the popcorn <laughs> and, and, and do all that. But then at the end of the night, you know, I'm sitting there counting for a 15-year-old kid to have, oh, wow, we made profit, 250 bucks. You're like, holy smokes. <laughs> this, is a, this is a great business. So, yes, I, I love it. I loved it as a kid. Uh, you know, I love it more now just because of all the opportunity it's given me. But uh, at a real young age, I knew I wanted to get into it. Let me ask you uh, just as a little bit of a segue. The, just uh, heard the news that Buddy Landell passed away. And I think he's probably a, a great example of a, of a regional guy that doesn't have kind of the mainstream recognition. But was he a, a pretty damn good hand in your estimation, Jeff? Well, and here, Buddy was always his worst enemy uh, outside the ring, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. He had more talent. If you could ever get Buddy to just laser focused on what he, he liked the, the lifestyle probably too much, but he was incredible. And, and uh, he was, you know, my very first angle when Bill Dundee and Buddy Lindell beat me up. Uh, and, and and that's my first segue into the business. But yeah, buddy. Uh, right, you were you were the like the the teenage referee, right, in yep, the territory. Yep. Yeah, and they beat yep, you up. Yep, yep. And got punked around, and then Lawler uh, at that time had been off. He had taken one of his sabbaticals, and we did the did a deal. And and, and Lawler came back uh, on that angle, and him and Landell off the chart matches. But, Buddy wasn't just good. In my opinion, he was great when okay. he was on. I mean, really, really good. Yeah, that's that's what I'd always heard. I never really got a chance to see him, but I know in that area, kind of in the southern states, he was one of those guys that everybody knew. There was a guy in Calgary like that named Jerry Morrow, a Canadian guy that was just one of the best ever, but didn't yeah. have the problems that Buddy had, but just never got that mainstream recognition, you know? Yeah, I, I met Jerry years ago in Japan, right? and I just watch him go in the ring. I'm like, where did this guy come from? He's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. There are English guys like that, too. I, I remember, um, I mean, I'm sure Regal's probably told you about this before, Chris, but, you know, there's a guy got Danny Boy Collins. You know, right. He was like like a superb, superb wrestler. And, you you know, you look at him and you watch some of his matches with, like, Fit Finley and stuff like that, and you just go, like, this guy was amazing for, you know, for the for the era, but, but just... Some of those guys just—they just, yeah, like for whatever reason, just, um, just. Well, sure, they never made it past the, you know, like you said, the regional success, yeah. right? I think Danny Boy was in Germany with Lance Storm, and Lance would always talk about Danny, how good he was. Yeah, he still wrestles now. You know, he still he still does every now and then. I see him pop up, you know, somebody's show somewhere. So, so Jeff, are you, are you feeling good about the the amount of talent that's out there in the world that you'll be able to have a strong roster in Global Force? Yes, without question. Uh, obviously, it, 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 my opinion, uh, and I mean this out of all sincerity, my opinion is is almost irrelevant. It's it's what what can you? And there's so many different ways, uh, not exact ways, not exact facts, uh, but to you know to uh, measure success. But the public is going to vote on it, and 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 the world uh, has I don't say drastically changed, but but you know the Daniel Bryan's of the world. Um, uh, the, the different styles. I mean, you know, the, the if you can't go bell to bell, 
uh, you, you, nowadays you, you are, you know, if not three strikes, you're certainly two strikes against you. Uh, and so, uh, you know, and, and in, in years gone by, certainly in the 80s, uh, your in-ring ability wasn't near as important as your persona. Right. Uh, I think you, I, I think you got to have all of the above. And and if, and if you just can't uh, tear the house down in, in that main event slot, you just you you won't be in that slot. Uh, we had a, a, a kid, uh, Johnny Gargano, who worked the main event against Showtime Eric Young Saturday night, and that, that's it, it, it reaffirmed what you just said that the the amount of talent that is out there, in my opinion, is vast and deep, uh, and there's also so much international talent, and I think that plays in. Because you have to have a global strategy, part of the fun, but you do because you know this product's not just going to be seen in North America; it's going to be seen all over the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you got you got to have a diverse roster as well. So I know you're you're a smart guy, and obviously that's why when you're putting this together, and I see Jeff Jarrett's name involved, I know that it's not just a fly by night. I mean, you've done the research, and you've done you know you know more than anybody after three generations what it takes to be the CFO of a wrestling company. Two questions. One, do you have an investor that was able to back you on this? I will not divulge. We're still a privately held company, so I can't let out details like that. Okay, <laughs> I, I don't want to know if, if it's anybody in specific, but I, I'm just saying, like, the, 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 the must have, cause, because the rumors was always that you were doing something with Toby Keith. I know that didn't really go, or maybe it is, I'm not sure, but you are, you, I, I'll answer for you. You have to have somebody behind you or else you wouldn't be doing this. <laughs> Well, and, and I will say this, that we have great, and I'll call them partnerships. The Orleans, uh, Boy Gaming, uh, they're my partner. They, they, they okay. are, they, they, they have a, a, a true, uh, they, uh, for wrestler talk, I'd say, hey, Chris, those guys get it. Well, they do. They, they understand, uh, and they're in the entertainment business, right. uh, as well as Bandit Lights. They've been the lighting company. Uh, of the year, they won that award I think 22 times. They just did Grateful Dead. They do Bonnaroo. Uh, they are, they're the only lighting company that Garth Brooks has ever used. Uh, and so, you know, as you know, uh, putting together a, a, a show that we aired for television, the, the presentation uh, is at the utmost level. Uh, you, you have to yes. have, if you're going to go somewhere, and, and that's why. You know, and I learned so much of my days at WWE. I mean, that is a machine, but when you come to an event, I mean, this year's WrestleMania, I watched just like I was a fan. You know, when, when, when you do that big, big pan arena shot, or excuse me, stadium shot, mm-hmm. and you see the, you see the lighting, it, it, it is Super Bowl-esque. It is, uh, you know, Bonnaroo-esque. It, it's, it's enormous events, and it just adds to the hype. So I've got, so go back to your investor question. I'll say I've got great partners in, in, in on multiple levels. That are helping uh, to do this. And, and, yeah, and, and that that to me is 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 I'll call it uh, business one on one. You know, you, you 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 have to have the right team put in place, not just uh, on the on the you know behind the red line as well as in front of it. You got to have the right team. Well, and speaking of teams and partners, now this is the here's the million dollar question. You're doing the TV tapings uh, July 24th at the Orleans in Las Vegas. Where uh, do you have a network to show these tapings on? I have in, in, in discussion still multiple networks here here uh, domestically, and then and that's a, another challenge that I don't want to say that I didn't see it coming, but mm-hmm. it is certainly when you when you line up 
uh, and you're talking to broadcasters in India, you're talking to broadcasters uh, in, in the UK, in Germany, in Italy, in France, and you've got all these different multiple languages and syncing it up. And, and this, again, this is a startup. When we started at TNA, I think India was our very first deal. So we just had to worry about one at a time. And then we added another country and then added another country. Uh, we're trying to line up this global launch and, and, and really fire on all cylinders, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, it, it's a challenge, and it's something that I'm, I'm uh, again, I'll go back to some things that I've learned over the last 15 years. If you rush a product to market, uh, you can certainly, you know, uh, the old saying uh, in, in promoting, if you confuse them, you lose them. And so w- the timing is everything. This business is, it hasn't changed on that aspect. Timing's everything. But, yes, I'm, I'm still in discussions, and I hope to make an announcement uh, much sooner than, than later. So the idea is to get these tapings in the can, and then when you're ready to go, boom, you're ready to go. That is a possibility, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Nick, how do you feel about about um, you know the, the timing of all this? Because, like you said, it just so happens that your TNA TNA d- uh, deal expires. Global Force is, is is starting up. I mean, that that's that's you know a, a perfect moment for you to really kind of get to the next level. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I I looked at the way you know things things were evolving in the wrestling business in particular and I you know much like you guys had touched on already just looked at how great the independent scene is right now and and and, and I'll go a step further and say especially in the UK it is it's so it's so friggin hot like it's it's mm-hmm. hard to even you know and it's funny because I'll sit there sometimes and I I'm going on like my Facebook and my Twitter and stuff and I'm seeing all my friends you know posting all these different pictures from like you know Progress or ICW or like PCW Southside and all these awesome companies and they're all doing like great houses and I'm going like and I'm jealous you know, like this, like this sucks. Like, you know what? Like, why should I be, you know, sitting here? I'm like under contract, and I'm jealous. <laughs> I want to go back doing this, and and it 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 really is. You know, part of me just I wanted to get away from my comfort zone. I'd worked with everybody I could work with there. You know, and I will say this: like TNA afforded me opportunities that no one else would have afforded me. You know, especially when I first came in, and I was like greener than grass. Like I didn't, you know, have any right to be there. But I, you know, I plugged away at it. But you know, I got to work with. God, like, you know, Angle, RVD, Jeff Hardy, AJ, Joe, you know, the machine guns, like, all this great talent, like, all the way down the line. But I had, I absolutely felt like I utilized my time and opportunity there to the max. Um, and then I just, and I looked around and I said, there's, there's a lot of really great opportunities out there now. Um, I knew one of them would be Jeff, and I think that it was sort of almost, you know, Jeff and I hadn't had too many serious discussions, obviously, you know, out of respect for TNA while I was under contract. But, you know, there was always a mutual understanding there that, you know, I'm always going to go to bat for him, um, mm-hmm. you know, if, 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 the, if the time came up. But, there, but then there's also, like, I'm a huge fan of Lucha Underground. You know, I, I'm, very, I'm, I'm impressed with how Ring of Honor have been able to continue to develop and grow. And then, you know, worldwide, it's like... New Japan are as hot as they've, you know, probably the hottest they've been since the mid-90s, which I'm sure you can relate to. And, you know, AAA is doing great. And, and I saw all these other guys, uh, you know, guys like uh, Del Rio, you know, Alberto Albatron, you know, all these guys who are sort of going, I'm, I'm going to deliberately be an independent now and go and kind of take advantage of the whole world that's out there. And it's like, uh, I've got, you know, and that's kind of one of the things that I'm doing. And I, I was curious as to how things would 
would go. But at the same time, you know, I had to I had to take that risk for myself because it was like when you're in a comfort zone or you're you know you're in a sort of funk and you know you're not really 100 percent sort of committing to what you're doing, then you're no use to anybody and you you shouldn't be there, you know. And that, and that was sort of how I felt. Because and then it's the second that I had that conversation with um, John Gaburik and just said. You know, um, I think I don't really want to discuss, you know, another contract. Like, I think I'd, I'd like to just, you know, wrap up business the right way and, and just move on and, and say thank you and, and, you know, explore some other opportunities. Like, I felt like this 100-pound weight had been lifted. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, that, and, and that's, not, that's not a knock on them or on anything else. That's just 100% on me and how I felt about, like, where I was at the time. It was time to move on. Yeah, Jeff, we mentioned uh, Owen earlier. Tell, tell, I mean, Owen's still to this day one of the guys that you will never hear anybody talk bad about, unless he was, the, you know, the victim of, uh, unless you were the victim of one of his ribs. How how much fun did you have uh, tagging with him? I'm sure riding with him. If you could ride with his crazy fan friends that would take him everywhere, tell us a little bit about Owen Hart. Oh man, well, talking to you it even brings back more memories, but. You, you know, and, and as, as time has gone on, and it, we'll call it Owen's legendary status with, with pulling his ribs and his pranks, and he just <laughs> said, I, it, Owen would rib me on a, a hourly basis, but nothing nothing major. He still couldn't get mad at him because it was Owen, and he would have that little boyish, sheepish grin and, and deny it to the hilt in the best way possible that Owen knew how. But but I also like to to... to, to state every time that I'm asked about Owen is that yes he was hilarious and, and, and yes bell to bell there was he's as good as, as anybody who's ever put on boots but just much more importantly to me is the kind of man he was and the integrity that he had and how he carried himself and and just you know it, it, the tragic passing of him you know the old saying the the, the Billy Joe song only the good die young right I mean, it just we just lost a, a great individual when I say we uh, the world but more specifically the wrestling business Owen was just a man's man had more integrity than any human being I've ever met uh, great family man great husband great dad uh, it's just and I, I like to always point that out when I'm asked about him uh, but yes if, if you uh, if you went on the uh, I still to this day when, when, when we're making trips with talent and they come out of the airport now nowadays some guys will have a huge carry-on and then their wrestling bag and then a backpack and then a man purse and, and I'm like are you kidding me Owen Hart would show up for for, for, for no kidding and, and, and you know this yeah. for a two week two week run and he would have like uh, one half of his little suitcase would be his wrestling gear, and the other half would be his clothes for, for two weeks. And like, <laughs> yeah, one little kind of little, like you said, one little leather computer bag full of gear, and that'd be about it. Yeah, and 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 this was obviously before nine uh, eleven, but but you know, Owen never checked back ever, right? Never. And he's coming from Calgary and on the road for ten days, two weeks, whatever. So, <laughs> what kind of only Owen? What kind of ribs did he? You said he used to rib you on a daily basis. What kind of ribs did he do to you? Well, just especially if we weren't, if uh, if I conned him in to get in the car with me and, and another guy, so we're actually in a rental car, or even if it wasn't a rental car, we were in a. Um, he got a fan to rent a limo uh, out, <laughs> uh, and, and and so the the driver was up front, and Owen. Uh, Trying to think. Anyway, it's 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 a hundred degrees outside out in California, and Owen would somehow, some way, get the heat put on in that car, 
and it would start getting hot. Oh, and turn the heat off. Oh, my bad. And just just the little ribs, of the, just the little <laughs> stuff, stuff. Turn the you know turn the heat on, or he would uh, he would if it's freezing cold outside. He did this one night coming back uh, from Edmonton, Calgary. I mean, it was freezing, and he would just think it'd be real funny. All of a sudden, he would hit the windows in the back seat. He was riding in the back seat. Put both. He would rip himself. Put both windows down. <laughs> it's freezing coming in and owen would just start laughing and leave him down and you're like this guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's relentless rib himself just to get you yeah. as well <laughs> yeah. do you think he should be in the WWE hall of fame there's always rumblings about that every year and of course there's always some um a little bit of resistance from from martha as far as his his involvement in the WWE at this point you know, there's one man that decides that, so we can talk all day, and I'll leave that to the sort of the, the fantasy bookers. But but as far as uh, Owen's ability, he, he deserves to be in any professional wrestling Hall of Fame, without question. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, uh, I understand Martha's resistance to it, but I think the fans deserve... Um, to, to have him involved. And also, I think his kids deserve to see him in that element because I don't think they really have. You know, I think they might have forgotten over these years. And it would be really nice, a little bit of closure for everybody around the world if he got a little bit of recognition uh, at this point. Yeah, and, you know, again, it goes back. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's you know, Vince McMahon. It's, it's his Hall of Fame, so he'll make that decision. And, and who knows, maybe there is a way to uh, benefit uh, Owen's foundation. I, you know, I'm certainly not going to speak for Martha. Uh, I got all the respect in the world uh, for, for for her and OJ and Athena. But, but you know, that's not a decision for, for certainly any of us to, to uh, weigh in on. Yeah, well, like I said, I mean, it sure would be cool. And I know they're doing a little bit of an Owen DVD, which is great as well. So he, he, the, the more uh, spotlight we can shine on him, the better. Because like you said, as, as an in-ring performer, as a personality, and as a, as a wrestler himself, there's not too many uh, better th- th- than Owen Hart for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I can still remember the, the Brad Owen matches uh, when it got really personal. And, and to me, that was... Uh, it was just, it, to me, it was a real cool, to have WWF, real cool WWF moment, moment to, to see those two guys battling out and just the best of the best. It was, it, it, you know, he, 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 he could hang with Brett uh, easily, move by move. Just a few more questions, Jeff. As you know, I'm, I'm a guy who uh, has, has the lighted jackets. You had kind of the original light-up jacket back in about 95. How did that damn thing work for you? Was it battery-powered? Cool. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was battery powered and, and and a lot of times people ask give me a story of the lighter jacket well the double J character came up and, and creative services and all that and they were put together but but they were having a hard time Richie and and, and, and the team they were having a ch- really hard time trying to figure that out and so the night after uh, Royal Rumble '95. Um, uh, I may have debuted it that, that night. I'm not sure, but 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 the, the the raw that was after it, where I won the Intercontinental Title from from Razor Ramon. You can watch that in ring back, and I'm sitting there talking, and Mahler's in the ring with me, and I, I, if you'll see my shoulder sort of twitch, uh, literally there was two wires loose, and it was burnt, and, and I've still got a little bitty scar on my left shoulder to this day. So the batteries, the batteries. Uh, I, I think I was. What would you call that? I was the uh, uh, conduit. I was the con- conductor. Yeah, no, 
I was a conductor, but no, I think I was actually the guinea pig for the Jericho for the Jericho uh, uh, lighted up jacket. Yeah, man, I went and got those things made, and as 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 great as they've been, they've been nothing but a pain in the ass. And I have more anxiety before the match that this jacket is going to work than I do about any match that I ever have anymore. If that thing works, I'm happy. I don't care about the match. I feel your pain. I've been there. <laughs> Nick, final question for you, man. Uh, what's your uh, What's your favorite match that you've ever had? If you could pick one. Oh gosh. Um, well, I will say this. Um, I I was very I was very pleased with my my last physical match with at TNA, which was the um, the the unsanctioned street fight with with James Storm. I I don't know if I would say it was my favorite, but it's certainly up there. Like just you know, it, it was one of those brawl sort of matches that's not you know not necessarily a sort of technical masterpiece. But I was very um, I was very proud of the of the effort we you know we both did. I think you know and and the story we told. I think. Um, Gosh, gun to my head, I'd probably have to. It was. It would either be a match I had with Jeff Hardy in. Um, I want to say it was like Concord, North Carolina, somewhere like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was. Uh, it was for like a one night only pay per view. Um, I just. I love working with Jeff. Like I. I always just meshed really well with him because I, I could sort of be the, the sort of base for all of his stuff, and you know, with such a contrast of characters, but I've meshed really well with his stuff. And also a match I had with. AJ in uh, St. Louis in 2013. It was the it was the final of like the Bound for Glory series where I wrestled Bobby Roode earlier in the night and then and then went on to wrestle AJ in the in the final. Jeff actually uh, you know give this away. I know, but Jeff actually booked the the finish to that match and this, the whole story and everything laid the whole thing out. And I loved the story and it was one of those times where you know I, I felt like at least within the, the eyes of the fans I think with TNA like that that made me and uh, you know and it was a losing effort you know it was like when sometimes you can really be made of course in a losing effort and i think that was you know if i could if i could show anybody any match from my sort of tna run i guess and if i had to show them one it would probably be that because i think it was the best technically but also like the a really nice story that was told from the beginning to end how about you jeff of the thousands of matches you have can you pick one or two Oh my gosh! Are you kidding me? No, I, I, and I've been at this. I sort of go in different eras. The pre-WWF days, uh, me and Lawler had a series of matches against the Moon Dogs that was hardcore before hardcore. I mean, it was brutal series of matches. So I, I enjoyed those. And then when I got up there, um, we had a tag match in the Garden. It was uh, Road Dog was on the scene, but it was me and, and Shawn Michaels against uh, Diesel and uh, Scott and Kevin. Uh, that was really, really one of my favorites. We had a couple of those. And then uh, you go to my TNA days. Um, there, you know, there was multiple in there. But as far as a series of matches, a couple of years ago, when me and Kurt faced off, at, at that stage of my career, it's no secret, I, well, you know, not a spring chicken. But Kurt, uh, it was so competitive. And, and I really, you know, got my cardio up. I got really focused. And, and we had uh, about a six-month uh, series of matches that, that I, I, I'm very proud of. I'll say that. Well, it's very proud that you can uh, you can feel proud that you're starting a company again in this day and age, which is huge for the business because the more competition, the more options there is, the better it is for the boys and the better it is for the fans. And I'm really excited to see what happens with Global Force Wrestling and, and of course, the debut TV taping July 24th at the Orleans in Las Vegas. Um, I'm excited for, for the future for, for this company, Jeff. I appreciate it. I really do. I appreciate your support. I appreciate you just 
schedule and get us on. Again, I'm a, a fan of you and, and uh, the podcast and all your peeps. I'll say that. <laughs> give a shout out to, to your, your peeps. Uh, good people. You, you you run with some great folks. So, uh, again, thanks for the uh, promotion. And uh, maybe I'll be uh, a guest on this uh, in the coming months, and, and I'll give you some results. Absolutely. I'd like to – we'll have you on again. I, of course, I want to talk about your actual career too. But like I said, man, lots of, lots of ground to cover. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate you joining us too. And I really look forward to July 24th at the Orleans Global Force Wrestling. Thanks, guys. Thanks, 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 Chris. All right. Thanks to Jeff Jarrett and Magnus. Known Jeff for years. Always a great guy. Always cool to talk about Owen Hart and about the old days of the Attitude Era and the old days of the uh, the double J, J E double F, J A double R E double T T, whatever it was, (laughs) with the lighted jacket. All that's in the past, though. The future is Global Force Wrestling taping this Friday for their very first TV tapings, all right? You can go check that out in Las Vegas. Go to globalforcewrestling.com for all information. The card looks great. they got some great talent. Bobby Roode's going to be there. Magnus, my old uh, friend PJ Black, Talk is Jericho alumni. Uh, the greatest talent from Japan, UK, Mexico, United States, Canada. They're all going to be uh, taping GFW Amped in Las Vegas this Friday, July 24th. Go check it out. Also, Magnus, a.k.a. Nick Aldis. I was calling him Nick. I couldn't call him Magnus. Uh, he has his own fitness book out as well. Have you seen this guy? He's chiseled. He looks like a Greek god. Um, I just look like a Greek. That's one of Regal's jokes. He looks like a Greek god. I just look like a Greek. So it's called The Superstar Body, though, Nick Aldis' fitness book. You can get that at superstarbodybook.com or at Amazon. Check this out to learn some of Nick's uh, fitness tips and how you can get in better shape doing it Nick Aldis' way. Like I said, superstarbodybook.com or Amazon. And if you buy it on Amazon, you know what to do. Use the Talk is Jericho Amazon links. You find the TIJ Amazon links by going to podcast1.com. Click on the Supporter Shows banner at the top of the page, you wagey. Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. I got links for Amazon USA, Amazon UK, Amazon Canada A. Every time you make a purchase that way, Amazon kicks back a little money to the show to help us cover production costs. All right, you buy anything you want. Buy Nick's book, The Superstar Body. Buy Randy Bly's book, Dark Days, about his 37 days incarcerated in a Czech prison. How about Corey Taylor's new book with the best title in publishing right now, You're Making Me Hate You, a cantankerous look at the common misconception that humans have any common sense left. <laughs> Get the new Blackville Brides DVD alive and burning with my buddy uh, Andy Beersack. Buy whatever you want. Buy a big screen TV so you can check out Shark Nate three tonight or tough enough every tuesday the contest is heating up last week we saw uh, gabby go home sarah lee became a star let's talk about what happened uh this week on friday we'll talk about sharknado three on friday we'll talk about whatever we want because it's my show so remember if you're going to go shop on amazon podcast one.com click on the supporter sponsors banner at the top of the page hit the talk is jericho button Still got some dates left in the Y2J WWE Summer Tour. Taking a little bit of a break right now because we've got the Fozzie gig this Friday at the Square in Kitchener, Ontario. That's a festival. It's called the Rock and Rumble Festival, I believe it is. Uh, just uh, let me get some clarification there. Uh, yes, it is called the Rock and Rumble Weekend in downtown Kitchener, Ontario, just outside of Toronto. Friday night, Fozzie will be back in action, headlining. We are going to tear it up, man. We're on a roll right now. We're playing great. We're sounding great. And you know we're looking great, man. All that stuff is happening. Very, very excited to rock it in Kitchener on Friday. And then back on the horse, July 31st in San Diego with WWE. August 1st, Ontario, California. August 2nd, Fresno, California. August 15th, Detroit. Uh, don't forget, August 16th, East Lansing, uh, not happening anymore. I won't be there. August 21st, Bridgeport, Connecticut. August 29th, San Juan, Puerto Rico. 
August 30th, Tallahassee. Then, of course, August 8th, the Festival and Friends in Ontario with uh, Fozzie. August 9th, Heavy Montreal. Kiss Cruise uh, back in the UK, uh, November 14th with Nonpoint Sumo Psycho. Go to FozzieRock.com. We're going to be in Hamburg, Berlin, Cologne, Reading, London, Manchester, Birmingham, Newcastle, Sheffield. So many great shows coming up. So much to keep track of. We will see you on Friday talking about Sharknado 3. Sharks. I never saw that coming. Talking about Tough Enough. Talking about, uh, actually, we've got a great guest on Friday. Rock and Roll Hall of Famer and one of the best drummers of all time. Stuart Copeland from The Police is going to be here. And what an interesting guy he is. What a story. I got him in two emails as well. Some of these guys have been taking months and months and months to get that aren't even in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stuart Copeland, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, got him in two emails. That is called a professional, ladies and gentlemen. You are going to love Friday's show. We'll see you then. Thanks to everyone who listened today. Thanks to Jeff Jarrett. Thanks to Magnus. And we will talk to you on Friday. Yeah, boy. Sharks! You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. Stay tuned for the latest AP News headlines from Podcast One right after this. AP Update, I'm Ross Simpson. Five people died this afternoon when a tourist helicopter crashed and burned in the Smoky Mountains near Sevierville in eastern Tennessee. According to Pigeon Forge Police Chief Jack Baldwin, Apparently this helicopter came down sometime around 3.30 this afternoon and uh, all, all uh, passengers uh, were, are deceased. The incident investigator in charge of yesterday's Amtrak train crash near Philadelphia says there seems to have been nothing wrong with the train that plowed into a backhoe killing two people, the backhoe operator and a supervisor. Investigators have examined the locomotive and passenger cars. The examination included the collection and inspection of maintenance records. At this time, no anomalies have been found. Ryan Frigo says the train was traveling 106 miles per hour in a 110-mile zone. I'm Ross Simpson. Okay, keep your eyes closed. Okay. I want to show you my first ever painting. All right. Okay. Open your eyes. Oh, that's a lot of colors Mm -hmm. (laughs) and shapes. So be honest. What do you think? Well, uh, I like how if you switch to Geico, you could save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. Oh, yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. Here, why don't I hold your paintbrush while you call them? Geico, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer. Daddy, where do babies come from? Uh, well, uh... Honey? Mommy went to the store. Oh, well, you see, um... Well, there's a mommy and a daddy, right? Right. And see, when they call Geico, uh, they could save a bunch of money on car insurance. Oh, really? And that makes them happy? Yes, that makes them very happy. That's good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we could have this talk, Sunshine. (laughs) Geico, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer. Syria Peace Talks? I'm Ben Thomas with an AP News Minute. Syrian rebels have rejected peace talks being proposed by Russia. They're accusing Moscow of failing to pressure its ally, President Bashar Assad, to end the conflict. Christmas may be over, but the shopping isn't. Hazel Ginn was at Macy's Herald Square in New York today. It's not too bad. Um, even we went up to the ninth floor and we managed to get in a queue of about four deep, so not bad. Yeah, and then we went to another one and it was only a couple, so we kind of timed it well, I think. America's research group, which focuses on consumer behavior, projects holiday sales up about 5% this year. 
Harley-Davidson is placing a renewed emphasis on teaching people to ride as part of its efforts to attract more customers. The company is expanding the number of dealerships with the Harley Riding Academy. The move comes as the industry grapples with years of declining sales and an aging customer base. I'm Ben Thomas. I found out I was pregnant and I didn't know what to do. I was looking for options. Then I found Adoptions from the Heart. Adoptions from the Heart advocates for you. They'll explain all your options, help with housing, financial, and medical needs during pregnancy, and empower you to make the right choice for you. I didn't feel alone anymore. I chose Open Adoption. And when I see pictures of my daughter growing up, I know I made the right choice for both of us. To learn more, visit adoptionsfromtheheart.org.